you bring your Bibles? All right, let's spend a couple minutes in the Word this morning. Make your declaration with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. And I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today for your love and your grace. I thank you for your word that is true. I thank you for the li- your life that is changing and transforming us into the image of your Son. Holy Spirit, have your way today in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anybody know what today is? Pentecost Sunday, hallelujah. I love that. I like, I've got a friend, John George, say, he says, well, if you're spirit-filled, every Sunday's Pentecost Sunday. Praise the Lord. So we're kind of running that, in that vein ourselves, so praise God. But if you have your Bibles, open up to Isaiah chapter 43. I want to read a few verses. Then we're going to read in Acts chapter 2, and, uh, and, and, uh, or actually in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, a few verses. But Isaiah 43, and beginning in verse 8. And it says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. How many know the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was a new thing? Amen. God had never poured out a spirit like that. The anointing of God had been upon men and women in the Old Testament, upon priests and prophets and kings and different ones at different times, on the judges and that for God's purpose. But God says, there's coming a day when I'm going to pour my spirit out upon all Flesh, praise the Lord. And there's going to be an anointing that's going to be upon your sons, your daughters, your handmaidens, your servants, upon your old men. I'm thanking God. I remember when I started in this, I was a young man. But now I'm thanking God that the anointing is still good for the old men. Hallelujah. That all through life, God has an anointing for our life. But God says, I'm doing a new thing. In verse 19, he says, behold, I do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself, and they shall declare my praise. But I'm telling you, that we know that God's speaking of Israel, and actually the new thing, speaking of that, is that God was raising up Cyrus in the, in the, in the timeline of this, King Cyrus, to release the people and declare and send them back from exile. And so God's doing a new thing. Amen? But God has always done that. But he's always had a people. And we're a part of his people. And so how do we live in the new thing that God is doing? We've been doing this series on the Holy Spirit. That's what we're trying to get us to do. How do we walk in the fullness of the new that God has given to us? Even being born again. That's a new life. Amen? So we get this new life that God gives to us. So how do we live in the fullness of that? Go to Acts chapter 1, if you would. We'll read Acts 2. read a few verses in Acts chapter 1 first. Acts chapter 1, and beginning in verse 4, this is Jesus just before being uh, received up into heaven, ascending into heaven after his resurrection. He's been with them for 40 days now. And this is the last thing he says. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait, but to wait for what? The promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And we know the timeline that 10 days later, we end up at Acts chapter 2, so turn over to chapter 2, and it says, when the day of Pentecost, verse 1, had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly... 
There came a sound from heaven as a, of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So how many know that was a new thing? Praise the Lord. And people around were hearing this. They heard what was going on. Say, man, what is this that is happening? And Peter stands up. We know the account goes on. This is that that was spoken by the prophet Joel. God is pouring out his spirit and fulfilling his promise. Amen? And in the last days, God's going to do this. Praise the Lord. But I want to talk to you just for a moment this morning about a new thing. And, and really what God is declaring, that God is now in us and he's going to be upon us. Praise the Lord. And we live in that. It's awesome in knowing that God in us, we're born of the Spirit, but then learning really how do we live in the fullness of God being upon us. And last week we talked to you a little bit about Christ and His complete work in our life. So however you view Christ, this is what I want you to see, is that in this area, whatever God had to do to fully redeem us, He did it in Christ. And if I'm fully redeemed, then I'm able to fully partake of all that's been made available to us in Him, through Him, and by Him. Amen? So that's my heart as your pastor, that you would live in the fullness of all that Christ has made available to you. Praise the Lord. And so many times we have viewpoints and, and, and beliefs around areas that many times can be limiting. Religion likes to give us viewpoints that limit us and restrict us and make us dependent upon religion instead of walking in the fullness of relationship with God. And so my heart is that you would walk in fullness of relationship and being that new person that Jesus died for you to be. Let's go through our outline this morning, and then I have an illustration I want to share with you. And I want to thank Pastor Cole for helping with this, because it really took my illustration to another level. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so watch this. And I'm going to share something tied back into his message and what he shared on being new when he ministered a few weeks ago. There are the former things in our lives, and there are the things which yet lie ahead. Every one of us has a path, and you have a future. If you're here, you're breathing, you have a path, and you have a future. If you're not breathing, come to the altar. We'll pray for you here shortly. Amen. Amen. But we have to make the choice as to which of these we will embrace and allow to shape our future and our destiny. Am I going to live by the past, or am I going to live by the promise of the future? I believe we're called to live forward in God. Amen. That's what God has for us. We have all heard the phrase, been there, done that. How many have said that? How many also got the t-shirt? <laughs> been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Think about it. For many of us, we go back there, though, and do again, even when it was a non-productive place, thought, choice, activity, or behavior. I don't know about you. I get frustrated at my time and say, why am I doing this again? Why am I acting like this again when I could be moving forward? The message of the gospel is not an old life made new with just our old nature glossed over in a fresh coat of religion to mask and cover the deterioration and damage of our path. That's not what life in Christ is. It is a message of a new life in Christ and being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. When you're born again, you get new life. You're born into brand new life with God. The life of God is birthed on the inside. That is new life. That is not just an old life refurbished. 
Praise the Lord. So God has the fullness of new life for us. See, if we have anchored our life to the power of the cross and the finished work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and being filled with this Spirit, then we are able to have and to live a brand new life in Him. And we can truly experience old things passing away and all things becoming new. We quote that so many times in Scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man beware in Christ... He is a what? New, new creation. Not, not, not a refurbished, not made over and all that stuff. How many have ever watched, uh, guys probably watch it more than gals and stuff, but g- girls watch, uh, the, the women like to watch home makeovers. You know, Joanna Gaines and Chip and those guys, they remodel all the world. But, but then they get in there and, and they decide just how much of the deterioration, how much of the all, how much, how much do we actually have to do and how much can we cover up, how much can we paint over. God just doesn't go in and, and when they do cars and stuff, they sandblast them and, and do all that and they expose how much rust and how much whatever they do. And sometimes they put a whole new panel and sometimes just fill it with Bondo or whatever. God is not refurbishing. He's giving you new life. And so the way God does it, he takes, removes all the old and builds brand new. Are you doing okay? And so learning how to walk in that identity of the new life that we have in Christ being made new. So hear me. And Pastor Cole did a great job on this a couple weeks. And I just want to build upon the truth, some of the truths he shared with us. God is out to change the nature of a man. In Exodus chapter 3, we won't have time to read these verses, but it is Moses' encounter with God and the burning bush. Moses goes up on the hill. He's, he's been there. He's now 80 years old. He's been in exile for 40 years, and God is beginning to appear to him. He's going to raise him up to be a deliverer, to bring Israel out. And so Moses is having an encounter with God, and the encounter is, is that he sees a bush that's on fire and not consumed. And he's amazed by that. So the Bible says he turns aside to see it. And we know they have a conversation with God and in that area. But here's the context. God was manifest in the bush, but desired to be in the man. I want you to get that. Because so many times we, we like manifestation, but God only shows himself so he can reveal all that he is to us and all that he wants to be in us. He doesn't just want to do things outside of you. He doesn't want you to look at stuff and go, ooh, that's cool. He wants you to have the reality of that living on the inside of you. Amen. So good. So think about it. God created man to be his dwelling places, not bushes or buildings. Amen. Amen. I love our facilities. I love what God's allowing us to do and expand and grow. But God just doesn't care about facilities. He cares about the people that come in. He cares about you. You are his chosen dwelling place. Amen. And he wants his fullness abiding in you and you living in fullness with him. God changed the nature of the bush. Why? Because fire consumes a bush. Would you agree? We understand that. The nature of the bush had been changed so as not to be consumed. That God could manifest himself in that bush, but yet the bush not be consumed by him. And that's what God does to you and I, is that he changes our nature. When we're born, we have a fallen nature. And that nature, if God showed up in us with that, his holiness, who he is, would consume us. So he changes us so that we, he can dwell in us without destroying us. Praise the Lord. And so God was out to change the nature of Moses. Why does God by his spirit constantly work at changing us? Because he's removing the things that make us flammable. Amen. Just look at your neighbor and tell him, I think you're flammable. So what does he do? He works in us to remove the thing that, that if we stepped into his presence would be consumed. 
Amen. God makes us compatible with his presence. And, and he works in us so that we can be partakers of his fullness. Not just part, not just outside. But he wants us to be fully in him, fully experience him without any problem. Think about it. See, repentance changes our mind so God can change our hearts. Repentance caused to change our mind, to, to have a change of mind, a change of perspective, a change of viewpoint. God, I repent. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to touch that. I'm going to turn there. And as I repent, then God is now able to begin to work on changing my heart. Unless our nature is changed, we will be consumed by his presence. He has to change us before he can receive us into himself. I'm going to illustrate this for you in a minute. So we're talking about the making of a, a new you that involves changing our lives. Think about it. We all have the God-given ability to set our own course for this life. You got here by choice this morning, not by command. You made the choice to be here today. What you're going to do when you leave here will be according to your choice. What you're going to do later on this afternoon, this evening, will all be by your choice. When you get up tomorrow, you might have a job, but you're going to make the choice to go. Amen. Your boss isn't going to call you an hour before you're supposed to be there. Hey, you need to get up and come. <laughs> Amen. They expect you. Hallelujah. Amen. They expect you to be grown up and to show up. Amen. And then when you get there to do the job. Amen. I'll just throw this in. I won't even say that this morning. Amen. So now watch this. Do we have that God-given ability to, to do our own, to, to have our own direction? Go to me to Deuteronomy chapter 30, and we just look at it, because God brings Israel out, He delivers them, makes this amazing, and then at the end of Deuteronomy, Joshua makes this amazing declaration to them. Turning to Scripture is taking me longer, because I'm using a new Bible, and... Uh, my old one that I've been using since 1989 is, is just falling apart to the place where it, it needs to be retired. Amen. So, but you have that one's broken. It knows where to go when I just say it. How many have that Bible? I was just going, I need to go there. And just go, okay, let me help you. Amen. We've been there many times before. This one's going, I've never been anywhere with you before. <laughs> Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 30, and look at me at verse 19. I don't know how long I'm going to use this one because it's really small. Has a lot of study notes and everything else, so it needs to be more accommodating. Amen. And uh, it helps because now I'm in chapter 31. See, that's all I'm saying. Amen. So in verse 19, he says, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I have set before you what? I have set before you what? And after that, he says what? Blessing, Blessing and cursing. Therefore, what? Therefore, what? I was like that. God gives us an open book test with the answer. So, like I set before you today life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, what? You have to coach somebody in that answer? We have to be coached in that answer. Therefore, choose. Life, wow. Wow. That both you and your descendants may live. Oh, what an amazing thought. But God says, hey, I brought you out, I've delivered you, and now I've set before you life, and I've set before you death. I said, if you do this, this is what I'll do you. If you do this, this is what will happen. And so the choice is set before you. Now you choose 
where you're going to live. Live in life, live in death. Every day we make those choices. And the more we allow God to work in us, and the more we allow the renewing of the life that God working in us by the renewing and regeneration, the more the wiser the, we walk, the more we walk in the wisdom of God, and Lord willing, the more we make choices for life. Yes, sir. Amen? Because just being born again doesn't mean I don't make bad choices anymore. Amen. Do I have any friends in the house? Amen. Praise the Lord. I know everybody watching online makes the best choices, but here, every now and then, we make some bad choices. Praise the Lord. So watch this. Choices, belief, habits, discipline, relationships, vision are all determined by the course we choose for our life. All those areas we determine. But if we want to live in the presence of God, it's going to require a change. This is the battleground in our lives. The place of our greatest struggle is fighting to hold on to the course we have set and still be accepted in his presence. So God, how, how, how come I can't live like this and still be in the presence of God? Because God said, this is what you have to do. And so he gives us a standard. We, we hear terms like holiness. We hear terms like consecration, sanctification, being set apart. It's just saying no to what produces death and saying yes to what God declares produces his life in us. Amen? So that's our battleground. The making of a new you involves setting a new course. And that's what the hard part about Christianity. People get saved, and then they want to keep going in the same direction they were going before they got saved. You have to set a new course. You've heard me use the illustration before. On your way home, sometimes we don't like correction, but hopefully on your way home today, you will correct your car several times. It's called a steering wheel. Because if you get on the road and you don't make any connections, you're not going to go very far. It doesn't mean you don't like your car. It means you really like your car, and you don't want it to crash. You don't want it to, have to, to be destroyed. You don't want it to, to be lost, and so you value that, and so you make the corrections. That's what the Holy Spirit does in our life. He brings those course corrections into our life. When we make the choice to walk in the Spirit, everything in the natural realm of our life becomes subject to change. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We live in a world where nobody wants to change, especially in the area of getting older. Amen. I'm thinking about growing my hair out. And then I start looking, and it gets to that fuzzy stage. And then I go, I don't know, I just feel like a peach right now, so I'm just kind of figuring out. And this part up here is like a, like a become, I don't even know if it's fertile ground anymore, so we're praying over that. Amen. So then I have to figure out if I want to grow it long enough to where I could actually do the comb over thing and actually have hair. No? All right, all right, I'll take some advice. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 4 and... Uh, Hallelujah. Beginning in verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our what? Outward man is perishing. That means your outward man is subject to change. Perishing is just change. It's going through a transition. It's changing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light afflictions, but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are what? Seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, 
or temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And the word temporary there, or temporal, in the Greek, it literally, literally means subject to change. So anything you can see is subject to change. And that's about our life and everything. But then there's an inward part of us that is in the process of, re- it's getting stronger, it's getting new. And I said a couple of weeks ago, if we put as much effort into building our inner man as we do trying to preserve our outer man, we'd be much stronger in our faith and our walk with God. Amen. So if we just applied that same diligence to maintaining and building the inward man, we'd have a more glorious life in our walk with God. The temporal gives way to the eternal. Everything about our outward nature is in, and world is temporal. That means they are subject to change, either on their own or by our choice and agreement with his plan and purpose for our life. From the inward man, we bring forth new life. He, God, is alive in us with zeal and vision on the inside and we begin to see this new you and you go with me to John chapter 11 so watch what happened how many know we were dead in our trespasses and sin and so there we are we're dead in our trespasses and sin and then we're born again and and we know in Romans 6 that we are raised with Christ in newness of life we are raised with him in newness of life Romans uh, excuse me John chapter um, 11 and beginning verse 40 and Jesus said to her, to Martha, did, you, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then, he took, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, what? Lazarus, Lazarus come forth. And he who had, been, who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his, uh, and his, grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with the cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. And really, that's my ministry as the pastor, is I'm trying to get you loosed and set free from your old grave clothes. Because Lazarus comes out like this. And then he gets there. How many know that's not really good life just yet? And so then watch, he needed somebody to help him get those off and get that out. We all need people in our life who will help us get the old grave clothes off so we can be released in the new life we've been raised up into. Would you agree? And so God's working in our life, but that's the will of God is to to get all that old off so that the new that's been raised up can come out in fullness of life. Hallelujah. Everything in the natural realm begins as a thought in the spirit realm. And I said that in the spirit realm because you read in your Bible that Satan is the God of this world and there's a mind of this world and people are influenced either by the spirit of darkness or by the spirit of light. How many know the Bible says we don't war against flesh and blood but against principles? principalities and power. It says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to bring it into captivity. Every thought that exists, every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So where is that thought coming from? And so you are a spirit being that is either, your spirit is either not alive unto God and it's being influenced by this world, by the God of this world, or you're born again with the new life of the Holy Spirit in you and the Spirit of God is speaking truth into your life. 
Amen? And so in that area, spirit begins. So everything, people get a thought. Things don't just happen. It's a thought. It creates an idea. And then out of that, words are spoken. And creation or creativity, creative power begins to manifest. Think about it. All change starts on the inside and then grows outward into the physical realm. I mean, no, you got to get a new mindset. You got you to change the way you think. How many, how many need to change the way you think about eating? I teach Mike and I were teasing the other day. He, he loves pasta and bread. I'm not really a pasta or bread fan. I, sugar's my nemesis. Do I have any friends in the house? And so, <laughs> you know, and then I, I love my wife. And a bunch of our ladies are at the, at the women's retreat this weekend and stuff and getting refreshed up at Tahoe there. And so Sue's not here this morning. But <laughs> every time I get something, she pulls it up and reads it. You know, let me see that. I said, well, you're just going <clears> to... <throat> Amen. Yeah, I go to the doctor. They go, you need to lose weight. I said, you need to speak English. <laughs> Amen. Moving right along. Anyway, <laughs> but we have that influence. It starts on the inside. We've got to change our mindset. We have to change our mindset the way we think. Think about eating. So this morning when I got up, Mike and I found out yesterday we have so many things in common and deal with that and do this. So we're talking about different things. Well, I do this. I do that. I do that. I do that. And we go, this is getting weird. And so <laughs> then after that, so we ended on coffee. I said, well, how many cups of coffee do you have in the morning? He goes, two. I said, I do too. He goes, okay, this is getting really weird. Then he goes, what do you put in your coffee? I said, cream and sugar. He says, I don't put nothing in mine. See, I knew we weren't related. So anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. So good step. But watch this. It begins on the inside. Change your mind. So I did some. I changed my mind this morning. I just put cream in. I left the sugar out. Glory to God. I'm on a path to renewal. <laughs> Amen. But you had to change your mind because my thought was this will taste better with this in it. And I said, well, just go ahead and break through this thing. Amen. Yes, Hallelujah. But it comes with a thought. Think about that. God of this world is influencing us or the God of heaven. All change starts on the inside and then grows outward into the physical realm. We choose on the inside and then that begins to manifest. The life of God starts in you and then grows out into the experiential realm of your life. You're born of the Spirit and then that life begins to have expression through you. And people come in contact. You're not the same person. What is happening? Well, I'm born again. I'm, I'm a new man in Christ Jesus. God's nature is living inside of me and I'm doing my best best to live in agreement with the inner man. Amen? But it's a process. I've been saved since 1978. I'm in a 43-year process. You guys think I'm kidding when I say I'm not that saved. I'm in the process of being saved. Amen. I'm pressing forward to the saving of my soul. We receive the engrafted word that's able to save our soul, to change our mind, our will, and our emotions. Are you doing all right this morning? And so inward change produces outward manifestation. And the making of a new you requires inward change, which can be done only by the work of the Spirit, not just the will of your own soul. How many have tried to change some things that it hasn't always worked just yet? Amen. But when I just get into agreement with the Holy Spirit and I let Him do His work of regeneration on the inside of me, He empowers us to live the changed life that Jesus came to give us. Would you agree this morning? So hear me this morning. You must be willing to remove all excuses, delays, limitations, and allow God to make a new you. 
We love excuses. Yes, sir. What happened? <laughs> Help him, Jesus. So watch it. They come in the form of people, thoughts, and behavior. You know, I would do that but or if, the buts and ifs of our life. The whys and the why not. Think about it. Excuses. What are excuses? They are reasons and rationalizations, justifications for the condition of our life that sound good and even make sense, but are not true. And I don't know if my grandpa coined this phrase or who he got it from, but grandpa would just say this. He said, an excuse is nothing more than the skin of a truth stuffed with a lie. That's a good one. You could keep that if you like. Amen. And then there are delays. Anything that slows or distracts us from our course of destiny in Him, we must desire it now, not later. Delays are come. God, I want what you want to do in my life. I want it now. I don't want to delay it. I don't want to find reasons to do that. Excuses produce delays. Think about that. And then thirdly, limitations. A thought or behavior that keeps you from going and growing to your maximum potential which is God's will and destiny for your life. God's will is His fullness for your life. And when I'm ministering this and tied with, with the Holy Spirit, is how do we walk in that fullness? And so many times, the men and I have been talking about it in our discipleship class on Monday night and that, and on Saturday morning we've been going through this. What are the excuses that we have for not being able to walk in the fullness of God? Amen. Even last week, we touched a little bit about the deity of Christ. Well, if Jesus did everything by his deity, then he did things in a way that we could never do in that area. And so if he did that, then he had an unfair advantage in what he did at his works. If he laid aside his power to be all man in our pay, then he, he faced everything as we do, and he overcame everything by the same anointing. Acts 10, 38, God anointed this Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and the works that he did. If he did it by the Holy Spirit in the same way you and I do, if God laid certain things aside in order to fully redeem us, Amen. Then we're able to walk in that same power. If not, we will never be able to rise to that same ability where he said, He that believes on me and the works that I do, shall he do also in greater works of these, because I go to my Father, and I'm going to my Father, and if I get to my Father, then I'm going to receive the promise of the Father that we are celebrating today. I'm going to pour my Spirit out upon all flesh, and when the Holy Ghost is poured out upon all flesh, then you're going to receive the same power that I walked in here, and you're able to do the same works. Glory to God. And so how do we live in the reality of the fullness of what God has made available to us? You see, the making of you, a new you, requires losing excuses. Amen. Look at your neighbor and just say, lose the excuse. Yeah, but I've become real comfortable with that one. I kind of like that one. I don't want to give that one up. Amen. Okay. Then live with less. Live with less. Why live with the yes when you could live in the more? See, the making of you requires the ability also to forget the past and to move on. How many have nothing good but good in your past? Anybody have nothing but good? <laughs> no. We all have things in our past that we need to release and move on from. Paul declares that he had to forget the success and the failures of his past in order to have the plan of God for his future. Paul said like this, Philippians 3, this one thing I do, I forget the path. You know what Paul had to forget? He had to forget standing at the stoning of Stephen and giving his authority to the people to do it. 
He held their coats and he was a representative that said, what you're doing is okay according to the law. You have the right to take this righteous man's life. And he condoned that. He carried that in him. All the other people he had imprisoned and thrown in jail for the faith, and now he's called to preach that faith. And every time he preaches, isn't this, isn't this the guy that? Isn't this the guy that? Isn't this the guy that did that? Isn't this that? I've heard about that guy. I've heard about what he did. He constantly had to live beyond his past. Amen? You and I have to do the same thing. You will not be able. See, looking back is a killer. Lot's wife. Go, go with me to Luke chapter 17. Are you doing okay this morning? Yeah. Just a couple more, and I have this illustration I want to share with you that I believe will really help us this morning. Luke 17, and verse 32. Actually, verse 31. Jesus talking about the last days. Watch this. Verse 31. In that day, somebody say that day. In that day, he is who on the rooftop and his goods are in the house. Let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Look at verse 32. Remember Lot's wife. Let him not turn back. When God went into Sodom and Gomorrah and brought Lot and his wife out, he said to them, you guys are going out, but judgment's going to fall. Whatever you do, don't look back. Leave and do not look back. And what happened is, is that Lot had allowed her wife, uh, uh, Lot's wife had allowed the world to get into her heart so much that leaving that place felt like too much of a loss. To, to completely let go and to be delivered and to be brought out what was in, in her heart, in, in, inside of her, was more than she could bear. And so she had to turn back to look at what she was leaving behind. And at that moment, the Bible says she was turned into a pillar of salt. God said, don't look back. Looking back is something you have to get over. Looking back, thinking back. Paul said this one thing I do. I forget the past and I move forward. You will not be able to have all that God, to be all that God created you to be by virtue of the good things done in your past. And you cannot be stopped from being all that God created you to be because of the bad things in your past either. The good things don't qualify us and the bad things don't disqualify us. It's all God's grace in our life. Amen? We don't get to bring anything to the table. A key is, also, you have to forgive yourself. How many know that Paul had to get over what he did? We all have to forgive ourselves and our choices. Jesus said that the two greatest commissions to love God and to love our neighbor as yourself. So if you can't care for yourself, you don't have a, a right, healthy relate, uh, understanding about your, your own life and being able to walk in forgiveness even towards yourself it's pretty hard to walk in that towards somebody else psalms 103 mercy by his mercy he separates us from our sin you will you, we will the question is will you become the bush so god can transform you and manifest or express himself through you and not consume you and then when it comes to releasing our path, just forgive everybody that's misused you, who has abused or hurt you in any way. Because whatever is not released from your past is bound to your present and will influence your future. Amen. So just let it go. Praise the Lord. We forgive by faith through obedience to His Word, not by feeling, but empowered by His Spirit. Feelings are charged by acts of obedience, are changed by acts of obedience. Forgiveness is, our, is for our sake, not God's, or even the sake of another. When you walk in forgiveness, it's not 
for the benefit of those. It's for your own. To keep your heart and your conscience right before God. This last scripture, Ephesians 2.10, is a relief. For we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship, I love the way the Amplified says this, His workmanship recreated. Somebody say recreated. recreated. God recreates it. I want you to get that. He makes us new. He didn't leave a little dry rot in your house. Wow. He didn't leave a little rust in your body work. Amen. He completely makes you whole and brand new. Recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined, planned beforehand, for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them, living what? The good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. That is that each one of us would fulfill our destiny in God, in Christ, and end up in eternity with him. How many know that's a good deal? So let me illustrate to to you this morning. This little pan is the world. And when you're born, you're born into the world. And you come in the world, and, and the, the sad part is that you come in with this guy inside of you. You have Adam and sin. You're born with Adam's nature on the inside of you. And so Adam's transgression is passed down to every man. And whether you like it or not, you got some stuff. And so it doesn't matter where you say, I'm not that bad. Okay? Because if, I need this over here. If you're not that bad, and this is just yucky stuff, then you shouldn't mind drinking that. Just go ahead and partake of that. I mean, it's just water with the little stuff in it. Amen? So when you come to Christ, this is what you look like. And you're saying, God, can I come into your presence? He says, I don't think so. If you don't want to drink that, what makes you think I want that? If you don't want that in you, if you don't want this in you, what makes you think I want this in me? Because if any man be in, so we're asking Jesus to receive us into himself, the same way you would receive this into yourself. Amen? So anybody want to drink? See, you don't want to drink and you don't know what it is. It could have sugar in it. (laughs) People in the back, I'll have some. But this is what we do. So instead of, of, of getting saved, we go, I know what I'll do. I'll just dress myself up. And we try that for a while, and that doesn't work. So then we put on another robe. And we keep trying to cover up our sin. And we keep trying to do things on the outside. And nothing we do on the outside ever changes who we are on the inside. And so we try all these things for a while, and then we go into a new thing. Oh, I'm trying some new things in my life. How's it going? Well, it went good for a while, but then the same old stuff showed up. Yeah, because it's still in there. And so we have all these layers upon us of all the things we've tried. And then we get saved, and we actually try to put on a robe of... self-righteousness. 
But the Bible says all of our righteousness is as filthy rags. And so now, even though I have all this covering over my life, I still, my old man is still in there. But this is what happens. The Bible says that if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. And we are born again. And now we are no longer, what? We are no longer in the world, but we are now raised and we are now seated above in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And I'm praying this works. And so then what happens? The Lord comes to us. And by the washing, you're born again by an incorruptible seed, which is the word of God. And by the washing of the water of the word. The old begins to go out. And we begin to be cleansed. Made whole. And made new. Doing all right? And so all of our sin goes out, and now I'm this new creature, and that's why it's a process, because there's still some residue in there. And so it's a long process of being saved. I only had enough for 43 years today. It's a container. I'm still being made new. But watch this. What God does, now watch this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And it's the blood of Christ that makes us new. And so God has applied his blood to the sin. And now no God no longer sees. This is where your past is gone. Your past is no longer in you. It's now covered by the blood. Doing all right? That's pretty good. But then there's more. We like the more. All right. Got to hope this works. Somebody had a lot of sin. I was in a lot of sin, but I don't have much room left for the Holy Ghost here. So then God says, I'll do you what? I'll baptize you. Not only will I renew you on the inside... But I'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so now, the Spirit of God is upon you. Your sin has got out. God is working in you. And you are now filled with the Holy Ghost and fire or the power of God. Amen? And God is working in you. He's renewing you. He's refining. But the, that's what you look like to God. When God sees you, that's what he sees. When he looks, when people bring up your past, you just go, it's under the blood. You know where all your excuses are? Under the blood. Amen. And even at that point, you know what happens down here? It's all covered. It's all covered. He burns up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Amen? Come on, somebody give God a praise this morning. That's awesome.
All right, burn, baby, burn. We don't care. Amen. Bill, can you come back to the keyboard before we set a fire here? What'd you, what'd you sing this morning? What was the last? Consuming what? Lori, come back. Let's sing that again. Fan into flame. A passion for your name. Stir it up in my heart, Lord. Stir it up in my heart. Consuming fire. Come burn in my life. Work in my life. But that's how God sees you. He sees you completely forgiven, renewed, restored, and baptized with the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the anointing of God upon your life. The inner work of God is renewing you on the inside. Producing the fruit, the nature. Galatians 5. Uh-oh. Put that sucker out. Flowing over. Go away. Go away. You can tell this was a well thought out illustration. Cole, where's the fire extinguisher? Thank you, Lord, you cover my transgressions. Amen. Stand with me this morning. Let me put you like this. I hate the devil. Because I hate what he does to God's people. I hate the fact that he lies and rips people off. And they accept the limitations that he placed upon their life. John 10.10, Jesus came and said this. He says, the thief comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He doesn't ask you to account for your past. He tells you He already did. He went to Calvary. Every ordinance that was against you was nailed to the cross. He took your sin to Calvary on your behalf. He died for every fault, every failure, every mistake you've ever made in life. And now we ask you to receive the fullness of His forgiveness. To allow Him to continually pour His Word into your life. For you to continue to be washed and cleansed by the washing of the water of the Word. I wish you could do it in one prayer. I wish you could do it in one morning's devotion. I wish you could do it by just a bit. But it's a continual. Ephesians 5 says, ever be being filled. Keep being filled. Keep allowing God's life to be poured in you. And His life will continue to flow out of you. But then allow His anointing to come upon you. Hebrews 1 says that he makes his ministers a flame of fire. God wants to set your life on fire. That, that, that illustration is so good. Charles Finney used to say it like this when he talked about revival and how God used him. He said, it's easy. He said, I just set myself on fire and people come watch me burn. What if we allowed ourselves to be set on fire by God? To say, yeah, bow your heads with me this morning. Maybe today there's been limitations placed upon you by people around you. Many times when people get saved, 
they have a past and people around them can't believe that they mean it and they keep trying to hold up and bring up yeah you say you're saved now but I know what you did you're going to go back to that and there's always that voice that tries to take you back there's always that voice that wants you to look back and to consider and not let go and not to be freely brought out. God went to get Lot and his wife to completely bring them out, to remove them completely from his judgment. God is bringing you out completely to remove you. So don't allow voices to continue by your path to do anything else. You just keep living forward in God. You choose to live by the new nature that he wants. You keep desiring that new nature that God has for you. Father, today I pray for your people. Lord, I pray that today, God, there would be a fresh hunger, a fresh passion, a desire as we're going to sing here in a moment. God, stir it up in our heart, a passion for your name. Consuming fire, come burning us. God, whatever the chaff is, whatever it is, when your fire comes, you come to cleanse, to purge, to refine. Holy Spirit, we're yielding our lives to you in Jesus' name. And we just say yes to you with all that is in us. Pray this prayer with me if you would out loud. Heavenly Father, today I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is your Son. You sent Him to redeem my life through His death upon the cross. You raised Him from the dead. And through Christ, I have new life. Today, I thank you. I'm born again, made new, made alive unto you. I allow your word to change, transform, renew, and cleanse me. And I thank you for your Holy Spirit alive in me and upon me, empowering me to be what you've called me to be according to your plan and purpose for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, if you receive that, give God a praise this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now as we sing this, maybe in your life, I love the altar because that's a place where we get to lay things down. The altar was a place y'all would just present a, a sacrifice to God. And sacrifice many times just saying, God, I'm laying this here at the altar because altars are a consuming place. God, I'll put this on the altar. I'll allow you by your spirit to set it on fire and allow this thing to be consumed from my life so I go from this place free from what I laid upon the altar. Maybe there's areas in your life, something, whatever it is. Maybe it's just that pressing in. Maybe just fresh hunger, fresh desire. Maybe to be filled with the Spirit, whatever it is. As we sing, I just want to take a moment before we dismiss to open this altar to you for you to come. Let God work in your life. If we can pray with you in any way, we're here to pray with you. So as they sing, if you need to move this way, please do in Jesus' name. Go ahead, Lord.